to another episode of Setting the Tone in ER Retrospective, the show where we do... Oh, wait, hold on. Should I say, like, welcome to the 150th episode? Fuck yeah, you should! Okay. Hello, and welcome to the 150th episode of Setting the Tone in ER Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Ahoy, hoy. And Daniel. Hey! Today, we'll be discussing Season 7, Episode 15, which is titled The Crossing. The episode aired on February 22nd, 2001. Lauren was going in that week 21 years ago. Uh, before we go into that, I just want to apologize in advance, listeners, if Daniel doesn't edit this out. I've had the hiccups for the past 30 minutes. I don't know if they're going to stop or not. So if you hear what sounds like a demon trying to escape my body, <laughs> it just won't stop. Maybe they'll stop now. I don't know. But Lord be with us. Um, <laughs> headlines today. On the last lap of the Daytona 500, NASCAR driver Dale Earnhardt, widely considered to be one of, if not the best drivers in NASCAR history, dies after a head-on collision with a concrete barrier wall. How did I not remember this? Uh, This is something I actually remember vividly vividly for some reason. As as somebody who gives, like, not even half a shit about NASCAR, maybe because I I grew up in the South and I saw a lot of bumper stickers, like, you know, like, rest in peace. My my downstairs neighbors watch NASCAR all the time, and I was always at their house, so I don't know how this, like, completely just didn't... It's also, like, kind of their, and, you know... I'm sure we have a ton of NASCAR fans in our in our audience base here, but uh, it's also I think if I remember correctly, I think it is uh, NASCAR's sort of Super Bowl. It's the Daytona mm-hmm. 500. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so, their, I know that's their biggest race. And it was, I know that this specific event had long lasting repercussions on safety measures and yeah. different and various aspects of the sport. Yeah, so it was a big, big fucking deal. Like biggest, it's like imagine Michael Jordan dropping dead in the NBA Finals. Like it was yeah, that that level of like holy say. shit. Hannibal holds on to the box office crown for a second week, and Miss Jackson by Outkast is the new number one song. Put it on the playlist, Daniel. Already done. Way ahead All of right. you. This uh, <laughs> for what else is on that evening at eight p.m. Friends with the episode, the one with the truth about London, which I believe is a big milestone episode i'm sure the friend stands will rush in to correct me and uh tell me it's like three seasons past the important stuff that happens in i just remember there being something important happening in london uh in the friends verse uh correct me if i'm wrong they finally Uh, realize they can't afford their apartment and they move to london (laughs) where rents are not much better right uh i believe this next episode must have started i think i think based on the timing the timing of things uh i think friends and will and grace must have both had a 45 minute block that night because uh in the 9 p.m slot what i think actually started at 8 45 was will and grace with the two-part episode cheaters uh parts one and two both airing back to back uh but they still had the they still had the ability to squeeze in a 9 30 just shoot me with uh sid and nina the episode checking in there so uh, it's sweeps week, if you can't tell. They're getting all their big shit in now because they're submitting for awards shows, uh, which we'll get into that in just a second. But this week's episode had 27.1 million viewers tuning in, uh, directed by Jonathan Kaplan, doing his 18th out of 40. Uh, he has been all over Season 7, uh, doing Rock, Paper, Scissors, The Greatest of Gifts, The Visit, and Homecoming. And written by Jack Orman, uh, who has also been all over Season 7. He's doing his 16th out of 28. Previous ones of his include Surrender, The Dance We Do, Sand and Water, and the aforementioned Homecoming. And hey, they finally won something for an episode! Look at that. 
Uh, they won an Emmy for this episode for outstanding sound editing, and they were also nominated for outstanding single camera sound mixing, which, holy cow, can we fit any more qualifiers into that award category? Maybe. Uh, with that being said, let's let's get into it, guys. Are you ready? 150. Yeah, huge episode. 150. Can't not believe we're here. Uh, we start off with Previously On is done by Corday this week. And Luca is listening to someone's heart and breathing, and everybody's just looking exceptionally rough. Like, Luca looks a little banged up, so does the guy he's checking on. And Carrie mentions sifting through the walking wounded as Luca gets up and is chatting with her. Always and great to hear. Always a good sign. Great. Um, we learn the last critical patient has been brought in by Carter, and Carrie tells Luca to pretty much go the fuck home. Just, you've had a long night, get out. Um, there's a slow-mo shot of him in the ambulance bay and then waiting for an elevator. And he tells Abby he's going to go up to visit the bishop. Yeah, lots of disorienting slow-mo slow mm-hmm. this, this episode. Do not need it. Not a fan. And more slow-mo as he gets up to the ICU. Uh, Joe, is a, Joe, the bishop's helper. Did, what Does he have like an official like title? I think he's just another priest at the... Yeah, just a, the bishop's a, assistant. Assistant holy man. Yeah. What 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 was the the thing from last week? Presumed assistant holy man. Like we'll just we'll <laughs> let's make up a new uh let's make up a new acronym for them. Presumed uh, additional lesbian friend. There's there's too many acronyms. My brain can only hold so many. Um Joe is seen outside the room is keeping an eye on the bishop and uh Luca goes in. They're talking. The bishop's oxygen levels suck. I mean, there's no other ways. Yeah, there's, there's no really. Doubt. There's no way, two ways about it. He's dying. Yeah. Like, yeah, he won't be able to breathe on his own soon. So, and Mr. Bishop Man is very much against having it being put on a ventilator because he knows he knows it's the end. Mm-hmm. He says he says, "quote My bags are packed." Mm-hmm. And we are in with some more pronounced twinkles this week. Twinkles, bitch. Uh, we come out of. Do we count the season? Not yet. That's we saved. That's all for the season wrap up. Don't you know? Don't be leeching off our. I forgot we moved that to the the fun part. Let's let's not leech off our bonus content. Sorry, Uh, just enjoy your twinkles in peace. We come out of the intro with uh, a a very very uh, kind of subtle note at the bottom of the screen that seven hours earlier to let us know there's a bit of a uh, time skip back. Uh, which I missed in the beginning of it. Like I was watching this with Jen and I, maybe I was like turned my head to talk to her or something. And we, we got like halfway through the episode and Jen was like, Jesus, they're really going through it. Two mass casualty things in one episode. And I was like, I don't think, wait, what? Like, and then we had to like rewind and check to make sure that. I was lucky that I had my beautiful notes assistant with me because she caught it while I missed it because she had paused the screen mm. and the Hulu thing went right over where the seven hours I hate that. earlier thing. So Liz, thanks to Lizzie or else I would not have had this in the notes and would have figured it out halfway through the episode. So good job, Lizzie. This yeah. episode was being a bro though. And that, that when I would pause the screen, the subtitles would pop up above the, mm-hmm. yeah, the progress bar. Yes. It doesn't always do that. It doesn't so always. Go back and need to get someone's name. It's really annoying. Yeah. So Lizzie gets a gold star. Yay. Uh, but we find out uh, they're they're complaining about the lack of sunlight. We apparently are right around Groundhog Day on the calendar. Uh, we also find mm-hmm. out that uh, apparently Carter does not believe in Puxatani Phil. There was no uh, way in hell I was going to try and spell Puxatani on these <laughs> notes. I had no fucking clue. 
okay. All the Pennsylvanians listening to us are disappointed with you. That's fine. Yeah, we're we're canceled, canceled in Pennsylvania. Um, we find out that Mark is almost done with his competency testing. Uh, today is his last day. And we have a new intern from Peds who is in with a young boy having trouble breathing who aspirated some holy oil, which... Right, like, holy fuck. Uh, more on the intern in just a moment. Oh, boy. Another another one of my uh, Jesus Christ Carter have some chill storylines. Yeah. Well, at least she's not blonde this time. That's true. Not white either. Yeah. It, well, it's it's character progression, you know. We got yeah. Kim's coming too, so like you know, we got it's we're it's that's growth. It's character growth. And then we go up to the surgical floor. Benton's working out a procedure while Mr. William White is observing. Uh, Benton's prepping him for the interview and just kind of giving him like a, hey, you stand back there and watch on the video screen since we're doing with, doing stuff with cameras anyway. And they're kind of going over the different questions and. Benton asks him, you know, why do you want to be a doctor? And William has absolutely, like, I, I want to help people. Like, after the, <laughs> after the, the, the montage of last episode, get some nice big eye rolls from our lovely admissions people. Maybe not from Benton. Actually, probably from Benton, too. From all of <laughs> Yeah, he, he's got to, even if he wasn't jaded by it last episode, he's got to be sick of hearing it by now. Yeah, but there's there's a whole they go back and they go back and forth because he's a he's a dumb kid. He's still a kid, mm-hmm. so he's not he's probably never done anything quite like this before. Um, and Shirley pops in and says that there is a mass casualty woohoo coming in, and uh, Benton will be needed. Hey, no one actually gets hurt in the filming of this show, so I can <laughs> cheer a good exciting episode. <laughs> I'm not advocating for Trings to derail all the time. All the time. All the just time. Some only the time. some of the just, time, yeah. Just only in fictional scenarios on my t- on my television. Good for the NSA if you're listening. Um, but then we go, Carter is admitting the little boy, and he then bonds with the new Peds intern. Oh, boy. Uh, we learn here that Carter is a Protestant, which is okay, cool. Um, and this is, oh, my God, I already forgot how to say her name. Reina Trujillo. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, and she's a child life specialist. Daniel, tell us more. Yes, Rena here is played by actress Lena Benedicto, who appears in stuff like 24, V, and NYPD Blue, and she is making her first of uh, five appearances here. Uh, and uh, is this the this is the one where it's like she ends up being like 19, right, or 20? Or yep. Like, actually, yeah. I think it's actually 19. Yes. Yeah. I... She's like a freshman in college yeah i forgot this character existed yeah. i only i only remember i remembered sort of the vague notes of there being a way too young for you bro storyline with carter at some point and mm-hmm. i just for some reason pushed it much further into the future and so when somebody on our discord brought it up early on in season seven i was like oh right that is a thing that's gonna happen very soon because how old do we think carter is here I think we've established he's in his 30s. Yeah, I, I want to like say... young 30s. I want to say in season one, he is 22 or 3, which would put him in the 30-ish okay. range right okay. now. So, like, yeah. much, See, much old. too old to be playing around with a 19-year-old. 
See, I'm only looking forward to the episode where he finds out about her actual age because Abby mocks him mercilessly. <laughs> uh, for a sec, for a minute, I was like, he's, I, I just forgot we were in season seven. So I was like, he's only like 25. And then I was just joking. Well, then I was like, Lizzie, Lizzie was 24 and I was 19 for a bit when we were dating. Oh, yeah, I have, I have no room different. to talk. Excuse you. I was 23. 23. I'm sorry. Not 24. I'm not sorry. a creep. I have no room to talk. Granted, it, it is gender swapped, but uh, I was uh, at when I was 17, I was dating a 23 year old. That's so, illegal, Daniel. Not illegal to date. It's illegal to do stuff. It, okay. But yeah. you know, like, it was, you it's know, pretty sus. It's, it's it's one of those pretty things. Sus. It's it's one of those things though that's only mildly socially acceptable when it's that gender dynamic, and yeah. not the one that's portrayed here. It would not fly yeah. the other way. Should shouldn't have flown either was way. Was that was that Jen? Nurse no. Jen or okay. no, Jen. Jen and I are only like a year apart. Okay. Ah, uh, then we pop over. Abby tells Carter a train derailed by Lakeshore. There will be comments about this location later. Bullshit. Um, yes, but they need Carter to go with Luca on the chopper, and somebody says we won't have an, an attending. And Carrie is doing 15 minutes to be the attending on call in the ER, and Chen is working with Halle and Abby to get the ER prepped. Oh boy! All right, strap All in. Right. I apologize go. for my notes in advance. Good luck, Daniel. Let's fucking go. I apologize to my eyeballs for watching this episode and trying to keep up with what was happening. Like, this is one of those episodes that, like, of course I remember it, you know. But like, did I remember every single second of every single scene? And like, so trying no. to like re-familiarize myself with this episode, it was like. I was like out of breath halfway through the episode. So I can't even imagine what it was like for you to take the notes. Actually, I, I tend to breathe a little bit easier when they're mass, mass, mass casualty, mass casualty episodes, because I know that there will be some room for forgiveness if I miss stuff because of how hectic they are. Yeah. So I expected to get every little I tend thing. to, I tend to kind of slow my own roll a little bit and go, does this really need to have a note? And it, it helps me a little bit with that. But with that being said, take mm. it away, Daniel. Mash casualty is what happens Mash when I get casualty. when I get Mash left alone with the potatoes at Thanksgiving. Oh, I want potatoes. Uh, so we, we're almost there. We now go. I just made you vegetables for dinner tonight. We now head over to the scene of the train uh, train crash. Lots of emergency vehicles. Like just the set design on this is mm-hmm. insane. You know they had to have filmed this at like, you know two in the morning like you know that this was an overnight shoot everybody was probably fucking miserable tired just like this was this had to have been such an ordeal to film uh that we have a man crushed under a train car that rolled uh we're thinking that this must be a an amtrak train based on uh one of the patients who says he was supposed to fly uh so it's a probably a commuter train um obviously not going to have any of that branding on there yeah, like they're not just just based on like the car design yeah yeah because we were thinking okay it's not l because right. it's nowhere near where the l would be yeah. it's not a metro based on the car design and the fact that this gentleman said he had to fly which yeah. made us think that it would have been amtrak yeah metro is the regional i don't know if we mentioned this before but metro is the regional uh train network that goes like Trains from downtown to the suburbs. Suburbs, right. Yeah. I think that that's what we took uh, when yeah. we stayed out in the, the burbs when we that visited Chicago. sounds right. So, yeah. Yeah. 
and uh, we find out that the man pinned by the train is a firefighter and a very recognizable one at that. Lauren, who did you... It's Jeffrey Dean Morgan, and I couldn't figure out how to put heart eye emojis in the notes, but they're there, fam. The comedian himself. Excuse you. Esteemed Grey's Anatomy guest star... Jeffrey Dean Morgan, thank you very much. So I was waiting for I'm, it. I'm sort of like I didn't I didn't do like do a deep dive on his career and like where he is at this point in that career, like in 2001. Like, is he is he a name at this point, or is he still kind of like a a an oh hey it's that guy? Who, I think he's more of an oh hey it's that guy because like I do sort of feel like he is a little underutilized in this episode, especially because like the little bit that I do know about Grey's Anatomy, I do I did know that he was one of the like the guest stars on Grey's yeah, Anatomy. Yeah, he's probably for my money, he's, he has the best guest arc out of any of the right. So like pretty much pretty much out of any because they, they don't they don't tend to do a lot of like. Like what ER does with like Alan Alda and Sally Field, they don't tend to do a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. But like, they did his and they did his really well. And that's pretty much his name is still present in the show to this day, even though yeah. he hasn't like actually filmed an episode probably in over a decade. So two things: one, he was essentially nobody at this point. Two, me spelling this phonetically this whole fucking time. I heard them say Lorkin. Oh, that is what it says in the subtitles too. Okay, thank you. It's Larkin. Yeah, the the credits he, the credits in the subtitles do not match up and I trust the subtitles more than I trust IMDb. So I I went with Lorkin as well when I uh, uh it's wrote it's my also own. on Wikipedia as Larkin. Well, but, but Wiki, Wikipedia is fucking, you know, useless. Still, he he had not done nearly as much. Yeah. This was on the front end of the of this career. Yeah. So I mean, because it just uh, it does sort of feel like he is a little bit underutilized as an actor in this episode. I, I mean, I, he's he's fine, but I, I do feel like you could have substituted out a dozen other people in this part and gotten the exact same emotional beats out of it. It's not like he brings and it's not like he got the chance to really bring anything of his own um, stamp to it. You know, it's just kind of interchangeable. And that's kind of unfortunate because he is a good actor. Uh, and he has appeared in stuff like Watchmen, Rampage, and The Walking Dead. And, of course, as Lizzie mentioned, you know, Grey's Anatomy, whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we see Luca working on a woman in a car named Shannon. Uh, Carter calls a surgeon in with a uh, calls in for a surgeon with a field amputation kit. Uh, which, so... This was a weird one for me to watch with Nurse Jen because oh god because mass cas ma- god I did it myself <laughs> mass casualties are her bread and butter and her jam like she kind of lives for mass casualties both on television and in real life like it the 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 like Tommy Lee Jones's character in um, volcano like you know like like his whole life yeah. is disaster that's Jen. Like Jen's constantly planning for the next flood, the next volcano oh, to yeah, spontaneously gotcha, erupt gotcha, okay. underneath uh, Los Angeles. Like she's, she's that person. I forgot. Yeah, and so this episode, she spent the majority of the episode yelling at the screen of just being like, "You're emergency physicians. You can do this. Like you don't need a surgeon." Like she was the whole time. Like she was like, "You know how to do this. Like you can amputate a leg. You don't need a surgeon." Like this is like she was just the the utilization of resources uh, was her big kind of uh, uh, stick in her craw in this episode. Like she was just like, "This is dumb. You are." perfectly capable of doing you know a hack job of an amputation here stabilizing them and then getting them to the hospital like she's like it it was basic stuff according to her um so that that'll just keep that in mind as we're going through we get uh one of i would say the more iconic shots of luca in his entire time on the show uh this becomes part of 
part of the intro. Uh, yeah, like, isn't that part of the main credits? It becomes part of the main credits for. Uh, it, I can't remember if it if they work it in this season or if it uh, starts next season, but it, it pretty much stays there uh, for the rest of the time he's on the show, uh, and that is him running past the uh, the train car with uh, his EMT kit. Uh, just like this whole fucking scene is just ridiculous. Uh, but the, the wounded people and torn up car, uh, really trigger Lucas PTSD flashbacks. We're getting a lot of like back and forth shots of like him passing by burned up and, and blown out buildings in Croatia and passing by wounded people there and then back to the train. And it's just like, it's really, it's great, but it is a really like tough scene. Uh, he comes upon a woman in the car who can't find her son. He had gone off to use the bathroom by himself when the train uh, crashed. And Luca is calling for Doris to come in and help assist him. Uh, her son is pinned elsewhere in the car. And they're going to have to go get him through the roof of the car of the train car to get to the little boy, whose little boy's name is Miles. And Mom here is played by actress Stacy Hyduck, who uh, might be recognizable to soap opera fans because she appeared in stuff like Ye- The Young and the Restless and Days of Our Lives and what might as well be a soap opera, but for dudes with buzz cuts, uh, Prison Break. Um, <laughs> and uh, more flashbacks to him fighting his family in the bombing. Uh, and looks like Miles has a closed head injury, and uh, they're going to try and get him extricated from the car and transported. So a field surgeon has arrived. That's Corday. Huzzah. We're all saved. Uh, Carter calls her, calls her over to the comedian, and she slips and falls. <laughs> What's his name? Larkin. 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 Larkin is what uh, IMDb says, but Larkin is what we heard and what uh, the – uh, subtitle said or you can call him jeffrey dean morgan yeah. either one i'm sorry the first thing i ever really like saw him in was Watchmen, so he's always yeah. just his character in that to me i always uh, just see him uh, like because for years like pre-iron man for years i could not tell the difference between him and robert downey jr like <laughs> every time i saw one in something i thought it was the other one like i could see it i had zero like uh, zero ability to distinguish between the two I could see it. Yeah, uh, but she slips and falls on her way over over there. No big deal. She shakes it off. She sit, she shakes it off. But uh, she tells him she's only going to cut off the legs if she has to. And the blood pr- the blood pressure cuffs that they're using aren't really holding very well as tourniquets. I mean, they're meant to deflate. So. Hey. Oh, and then Miles is extracted from the train car. He is still breathing, and. Back in the ER, Carrie is trying to figure out their capacity because there are two docs down and a surgeon in the field. And a trauma is brought into Trauma 1 with Benton and Malucci, to which I note, whose films are those? Uh, they are going to do a pericardiosynthesis or a, thor- or a thoracotomy, but shit is moving fast. And then Carter is striking someone in the field. Cool, great, poor lighting, let's keep going. He can't hear anything over the noise. And there's a bunch of news cop news helicopters watching above to which I thought one of them was going to crash into the other one. And there was going to be even more of a casualty <laughs> here. Like I was like, they're very close to no, each that's, other. That's later. This in the season. <laughs> um, and then the train is shifted as they're trying to dig Lorcan out, which makes things worse, not better for him. And Corday is going to have to amputate and control the bleeding after all. Um, we pop over really strangely to Mark with his competency testing 
And I want to note, at first I thought I understood the card matching thing he had here. At, at first, I got the sequence. And then the guy started saying no again. And I was like, fuck, I have no idea what you're going for here, my dude. Right. I think that might be part of the thing I, is to, like, t- to test his frustration levels and how he could reacts. Be. Dude, that could very well be. Dude, my, my, uh, my non-existent medical license is being revoked because I yeah. failed this fucking test like three different ways. I was like, I would not be able to pass this at all what are they asking for i got the first handful and then and like when mark was like i got it i can do it one-handed look at me go and then the guy started saying no again and i was like well now i'm fucking confused yeah um but i love mark goes do you ever say anything besides yes or no and the guy goes no (laughs) so good just and it's so weird that's the only part of the testing we see that's it so yeah which you know some complained we we, as you might imagine with this being such kind of a uh a, a milestone episode and B kind of a you know one of the more kind of mass casualty flavor episodes which are, which are always popular um, we got a lot of listener responses about this episode and one of the ones one of the the things that came up a couple times in those responses was that they wanted to see or, or that they felt that this a either needed to like be fleshed out more or just removed entirely like they felt like this particular little detour in the story didn't fit and didn't mesh well with the rest of the episode. And if mm-hmm. there was anything that you could have like trimmed that this would have been, a- and apparently there is a deleted scene of more of the competencies testing stuff with Mark. Um, so, you know, I kind of agree a little bit that it does sort of take you out of, I I, I get what they're going for. They, they want to give everybody a chance to breathe and a chance to like, you know, catch their, catch their breath and reorient themselves after the chaos of the last five to 10 minutes. But this episode or this scene just doesn't really fit with the rest of this episode. I don't think. All right. Well, we're back to the train. Uh, we're Corday is working on the amputation and she's having some sudden back spasms as a 26 week pregnant woman. Retro. Yeah. So Carter's like, what's going on? Uh, but they're gonna have to take another 10 minutes to get miles. Mom free. Luca takes, Luca has to take Miles in though. Uh, Corday's having, yeah, she's having contractions. Twenty, yeah, twenty. It was twenty-five weeks. Excuse me, but yeah. So she needs to. She needs some heavy-duty meds to stop that. So <laughs> we don't want little shit. What was her name? Ella. Ella. Yes. Yes. Ella Tiberius Green. Ah. <laughs> uh, Anyway, <laughs> but we don't want her to be born prematurely. So uh, looks like Carter is going to have to finish this amputation. Otherwise, Jeffrey D. Morgan is going to bleed out and die. <laughs> what? That was just the way you said it. Bleed out and die. <laughs> he's going to bleed out and die. That's what he's going to do. Uh, His legs are like half cut off. He's going to keep bleeding if he. I can't handle it. Oh my god. Oh boy. Yeah. Here's my thing with this whole episode. Like I, I'm still I'm still stuck on the like like they're they're not doing enough with Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Like they're not they're not utilizing which again, he's not he's not really Jeffrey Dean Morgan yet. Um, but like they're not really utilizing him enough and there's not really like the signature patient this episode mm-hmm. with this mass casualty God damn it, mass casualty. Why is that so hard for <laughs> Both of us today. It's, it's fucking Tuesday, man. Mass casualty. Boy, isn't it? There, there's not really that signature patient to really sink your teeth into with this one. And it could be, and it probably should be him. 
And I want them to like, I, I, ultimately at the end of everything, this is like Luca's kind of the star of this show, like the star of this episode. Like this is, this is all about Luca's PTSD journey and like him wrapping up things with the Bishop, but it's also in the midst of this mass casualty incident. And like, so me, but they're also trying to do stuff with Carter where they're like calling back to his surgical background stuff and then Corday's angle with the whole, like, I almost would have had Corday end up, like, have the train car shift or something and have Corday end up trapped in the in this car with this guy and, like, we're trying. Like you did with that one time when she would climb down and to get to that one guy. Right, yeah, uh, yeah, which was, was in when ex- in Exodus, yeah. Like, she, which maybe that's why they didn't want to do that again, you know, but they felt like they had, you know, been there, done that. But like I just feel like there there was an opportunity for more kind of one-on-one sort of drama because like the patient that Luca's really like connected to in this episode is the bishop who we don't really get to see him do anything with until the very end of the episode. So it's just, you know, I I and I want to stress, I like this episode. I really do. It's one of my favorite in the season, but it is sort of a change and a sort of a deviation from what we are what we've been conditioned to expect from these mass casualty episodes in the past. Like this is very different, I think from a blizzard or um, an exodus, you know, or something of that nature or, or hell and high water. Like this is just, it's a different style of episode. Um, but anyway, we go back to the trauma in the ER. Uh, Benton is being pulled over to uh, work on a leg injury. Uh, hallways are an absolute mess. Like things are really starting to, fall apart here benton is trying to provide info to everyone as much as he can he's basically you know basically running the board here uh full shot of a guy's bone uh that was Ugh. that was unpleasant uh I love it. it's like don't worry we, don't worry sir we can put it back in right and i like how you get a little bit of a look at william too who's just like uh who's just been horrified and being shoved around by nurses yeah and- oh boy uh, he gets pulled over to the desk to try to gar- guide Carter through the amputation, which I do love that of them going, uh, car, like they're bringing Corday in. And so they're like, well, they have an amputation in the field. Who's doing it? Carter. He's doing what? <laughs> like you get like this, this almost a uh, flashback to early season Benton when, you know, Carter's doing something unsupervised. And so he goes, runs over to the microphone to, uh, to try to walk him through it. Um, Corday is getting flown back with Miles to County. Uh, they're going to try to innovate him in the air. And we get an excellent shot of the chopper flying away as Benton's voice fades back in and it pans back down to Carter. Yeah. So, <sighs> look, people, I know we've been over this, that whoever runs the geography <laughs> continuity in this show has never been to Chicago. <laughs> Clearly. So, like, the... The green screen is very much not a shot of the city. Oh boy, that is a two thousand and one, right, two thousand one ass green screen. Let me tell you. Yeah. This this so no. all of the scenes in the train yard, like all of that stuff, a hundred percent of it. Not not a single shot in this episode is filmed in Chicago. Everything is on location in California, and then they clumsily try to two thousand one green screen the. Uh, uh, city skyline in the background which might which, be that this is kind of the landmark beginning of them kind of like 
going, we have the technology to just make it look like we're in Chicago. We don't actually have to go to Chicago as much as we used to. Like that's kind of, because they do this a lot more yeah. often later on, like where they would just clumsily sort of throw a, a skyline in the background to let you know, Oh, by the way, this is still Chicago. But we, I mean, not that they stopped, they never really stopped doing uh, Chicago shots and Chicago scenes, but they definitely didn't do them as often in the later seasons as they would do them mm-hmm. in the years before this. But yeah, so whoever thinks the lake shore is on the northwest side of the city, I hope someone got fired for that blunder. That's all. I'm gonna... We're like it. We're like in like the western edge of Lincoln Park, eastern part of Wicker Park, probably type area. If I had to guesstimate, we're on the outskirts of Los Angeles, is what we are. <laughs> like we're. I mean, I'm just saying. No, I know. Like from that. Sh- I know. From that shot. I know. The lake is at least a couple, at least a few miles away. Oh, just, we were both looking at that going, that ain't right. Yeah. Um, but then from there we go over to Lorcan, Larkin, Jeffrey Dean Morgan shouting, does anybody know what they're doing as Carter is trying to get info from Benton? And it's such a good shot. It's a fair question too. Like, I want that as a gif. Like you're about to chop, you're about to cut my man, uh, cut my legs off. Do you know what you're doing? Yeah, I I need that as a gif of Jeffrey Dean Morgan (laughs) screaming that. Um, listeners make it happen. Uh, and then Abby meets Corday up on the roof with a wheelchair and Corday says, she can't Corday says she's unsure the last time she felt the baby move. Dun, dun, dun. You mean to tell me that one of the female characters on this show is having a troublesome pregnancy and possibly a troublesome birth scandal. Shirley, you jest. Yeah. I'm not jesting. And don't call me Shirley. She's in the OR. Ah. <laughs> Fixed your hiccups, though, didn't I? Go, go on without can, me. I'm done. Can okay. we make uh, exasperating to death uh, a treatment for the hiccups? Like, just... Clear- Clearly you have, because I haven't hiccuped since we started recording, so... See, I'm just going to have you call my dad next time and just get a ton of bad jokes so you can just go... Uh. Oh, I got a really bad d- dad joke at work today. Oh, God. Let's hear it. Uh, why don't ants get COVID? Why? I don't, you got me. Because they have strong antibodies. All right, moving on. All right, so Miles' mom has been ah! freed from the train seat, uh, which very, very gnarly looking. Like, they definitely left a lot of that thing that was impaling her to the seat. Well, I mean, Um, yeah, they're going to do that in surgery. They can't just pull it out. But just like, it it seemed like an an excessive amount. They also, also, uh, early on in the scene, or early on in the episode, when they're trying to free her out, like Luca asked for an update from the guy, like, uh, you know, how how long is this going to take? Like, how quickly can can we get her out of here? And the guy's like, oh, it'll take me like 10 minutes. To, to cut through this five ten minutes and that was another moment where jen was like there are dozens of fire trucks parked like right outside she's like one of them's got the jaws of life on it and that'll take yeah. two seconds she was like this shouldn't yeah. take also, 10 minutes that man's wor- uh, using a blowtorch and he's not wearing eye protection <sighs> this episode so we got another casualty here he's blind i'm sorry just blunder after blunder this episode yeah 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 uh, Carter's working on the amputation. Benton's shouting directions for him, and Carrie is like, "No, Benton, we need you here." And Benton tells Carter to get a hold of a cell phone, and William's just kind of watching the radio, like 
again, just horrified, has no idea what's going on. Like, like, bro, I don't even work here. <laughs> I'm not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> uh, so then we go back to uh, Chen and Abby working with Lizzie on, uh, they're trying to get her calmed down while they wait for Mark. Uh, Benton is working on Miles while he talks Carter through the amputation. They have gotten a hold of Lorcan's ex-wife to meet them at the hospital. Uh, and as they are working to relieve pressure from Miles's skull, it just uh, bursts onto William's gown. I I love that effect. I'm it's, sorry, it's always so gnarly, and it's just it's like oh god. Yeah, it's pretty it's it, pretty gnarly, and um, I imagine probably a lot of fun for the props department to. Yeah, rig I can up. imagine. Like I, I would, <laughs> like, would imagine they like when they see that on the sheet, they're like, oh goody, we get to do a squirter. It's like, oh, uh, can we can we do can we do this like twice or three times right. just to make just to make sure we got it? I mean, I'm sure it's sure. A, a huge pain in the ass when stuff goes wrong and like they have to reset everything and like clean people, have to send people back to hair and makeup to get cleaned up and like yeah, I'm sure it sucks when something goes wrong, but man, when it, everything goes right, I'm sure it's just a joy. Uh, and of course, uh, Miles has to start seizing right away because fuck Lauren, you know that's the uh, the theme of season seven. If uh, we had to boil it down, uh, we get a big who's on first moment with how to clamp the uh, vessels as Carter's working on. This is another one that like Jen was just like in incensed watching. Like she was just like <laughs> she was like Carter should not be this stupid. Like she was like he should not need his hand held this much through this. Like just has she met Carter? <laughs> well she was just like if he's your average emergency room physician, like she's like he should fucking know how to tie off these major vessels, get him stabilized, get him on the helicopter, get him to the hospital where they can clean things up. Like she's like it should not be this fucking hard. Uh, Miles's mom is crashing as they get her out of the ambulance at County. Uh, we see Mark run past, uh, and, uh, poor Lizzie, like apologizing to Mark for slipping and falling, like as if this is her fault. Like, it's just, uh, you know, you feel for our girl there. Uh, we see Carter sawing through the bone. Uh, Benton is uh, preoccupied with uh, what's happening in the uh, trauma room. And so he has to just abruptly leave. And we do get the line of the episode from William here, really the line of his time on the show, which is just good luck. (laughs) And then hangs up the phone. Like it's an excellent delivery. And it's like, it makes me wish we had a little bit more uh, time to get to know William. Uh, and Luca says for them to take Miles up to the OR before his mom. And hope you're ready for the episode to go. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. Just go to go to another level of the messed up. Uh, oh, Carrie's fuck, talking yeah. to the woman from the car, and she's asking about all who all died in the accident. And, you know, how's everyone doing? And because she was uh, she was trying to commit suicide. With the train, yeah, hitting her, hitting her car. This, this is the Lauren. Lauren has asked me not to share my thoughts, and I won't. But just, just like, like I, ugh. I love you. This, this can be a platform for that, but also just, oh my god, no. Yeah, yeah. The, this is this just, is the angle of the episode where if you are gonna cut out some of the Mark competency testing stuff, this is what you flesh out more of, because yeah. they really don't. Like this is really the yeah. only time we address this mostly at all because really when they address it later in the episode it's more about kim and carrie than it is about this woman and so it's just like and they're the the way this woman plays it like 
I feel like there was there was meat on that bone. Yeah, I feel like there was something to really dig into there, and for whatever reason, they just chose yeah. not to. Just completely flat and apathetic. Yeah, yeah. I I would have loved to have gotten a little bit more insight into you know what her motivations were, and and you know I just feel like there could have been a real opportunity for Carrie to to get some something out of this episode and like okay I, I, i'm like i'm re i'm reformatting this episode in my mind as we go and so like i would have had corday do her little slip and fall act and you can still have that you can still have your cake and eat it too but i would have had her do that like on the way to the chopper like i would have had her do that before she ever got to the thing which like Maybe that's the reason why Carter ends up having to do the amputation and they have to talk him through it because Corday got hurt trying to get to the chopper and never made it there. And then you get a little bit also the the Mark competency angle, like you just drop that all together and like let him just go rush to Lizzie's side and, and that's his occupation this episode. And then like get a little bit more stuff with Carrie and this this woman, like there's there's ways to like reconfigure this episode ever so slightly and not change things too much and yet you could get a lot more out of everyone involved and just kick things up a notch a little bit like yeah. there's a lot of meat left on the bone in this episode i feel let's hit the home stretch Ugh, sorry um then we see uh, larkin being carried on a gurney without his legs um carrie is complaining about how overpacked they are Romano bursts off the elevator in his karate and outfit. That's the best. It's so good. <laughs> the visual. It, the visual of that is amazing. And he's I love how he's like, I couldn't have my beeper on in the in, in the, the dojo. dojo. Surely knows where I was. Or like Barb or whatever yeah, knows whatever. where I was. So that just killed me. And I'm gonna say this, it's not gonna make sense for another couple months until the interview is out, but so much jalapeno sass on there, right? What a great, what a great week Spice. at work for him because he's very inconsequential to this episode. So you, you know, you know that thing. the dude worked maybe like an afternoon on this episode, and yeah. got yep. to come in, got to put on a fun karate outfit, and just be like extra grumpy Romano, like just. And it just it mm. adds such another layer of just like just. I don't even know to Romano where it's Oh, like, okay. it's such a perfect choice narratively. Of course he does fucking karate stuff. Like just of course he does. Yeah. Because he's such uh, a fucking like prick. Like he can't be on a team. Like there's no way no, he could not. be on a team. So like if he's going to do some kind of like extracurricular like exercise activity, it's got to be something solo. And in this case it's got to be something where, where he, he can be like there's a there's a distinctive thing that he can be better at than everyone else. There's a ranking, there's a ranking yes. to it. Yeah, this is such a perfect choice for this to be Romano's like side hobby. Oh, and then Carrie tells Carter good job on handling everything, and she's like, "Don't worry about it," because Romano's like, "Who the fuck did this? A butcher? I have to clean up all this about uh, Larkin's legs." And Carrie's like, "No, you did great. Like, good, good, seriously, good job. You're great." Um, and Kim comes down to work with the girl from the car and we are now back full circle from the start of the episode. Um, Shirley pops in to uh, let Luca know that both mom and miles are okay. Or she calls, sorry. She calls down to admit to let um, Luca know that both mom and miles are okay. They made it through their surgeries. Uh, We see Benton and William chatting and (laughs) William comes over and says, nurses put me to work. Thought I was a volunteer. 
But observing today made him reconsider if he really wants to do medicine, and he doesn't even know if he wants the interview at this point, which Benton says, nope, at least take the interview. At least take give the interview. Give yourself options. That shock will wear... Yeah, give yeah, yourself options. That shock will wear off in a couple days. Take the interview. Uh, I love when he's like, you get used to it. And William goes, I don't know if I want to. Yeah, that's what I'm scared of. Yeah. So just good good point there. Um Corday's contractions have stopped, Hooray. and now she just needs bed rest. Sure. Cool. Great. Uh, and we pop back over to Abby and Luca chatting about him going to see the bishop, which is where Lizzie brings our episode to the grinding halt with our next <laughs> Jesus clip. Christ, this clip. I'm sorry. Like, I trimmed it down, but like I cut out over a minute of silence from, of just extended pause, pauses from it, too. Like, tried to make them flow a little bit. Just a little bit quicker. You've noticed we have we've had no audio clips up to this point. Uh, that's because I kind of just took all the audio clips we might want throughout the episode and just shoved them, and just shoved all of that time that we would normally split up into one clip. This is our longest clip to date. It is just a shade over seven minutes long. Oof. Because Hope you grab a snack. Ho- yeah, because what ho- self control? Yeah, no, just because holy. I- how do you cut around this? Yeah, I mean, it's not really an episode that lends itself very well to audio clips. Like, it is very much an episode that needs to be seen to be appreciated. Yes, that's why I didn't feel bad about feel bad about this, because we had nothing else up to this point. So Go for it. Please bear with us. This is, in fact, like the last seven minutes of the entire episode, so this will take us out. Luca and the bishop are having a, having a talk. What time is it? 11.30. You're here late. You'll have to be intubated soon. On a ventilator? Your oxygen level is down to 65 on 100% oxygen. I've seen what happens after the ventilator. If it drops below 50... Thanks, but no thanks. Anyway... My bags are packed. How long do I have? Maybe hours. Then I better hear it now. Hear what? Your confession. Bishop, I don't That's what you came up here for, isn't it? I wanted to check on you. You're searching for your faith. You think you lost it, but you only buried it. It's never left you. every heart to help you to know your sins and trust in his mercy. Father, I, I can't. Luca, your heart is burdened, Luca. Talk to me. Let me take that burden with me. I don't know, I, uh, lost my family. Daniela, my wife, she uh, wanted to move out of Vukovar, but um, I had to finish my internship. 
And uh, as soon as it was too late, it wasn't safe to move. So I was going to get some supplies, and uh, I made them stay behind. I was just crossing the street when the motor shell hit the apartment building. They were my neighbors, hurt, bleeding, dying, but I, but I passed them by. I, I had to get to my family. A piece of shrapnel had torn into Daniela's spleen, and she was bleeding to death. When I turned back to my daughter, she wasn't breathing. I lost her pulse. But as long as I uh, kept doing CPR and breathing for my daughter, I thought she had a chance. I could only pray that someone would get there to help. If I'd picked up Daniela at that moment and gotten her to the hospital, she could have had surgery. Oh, she could have lived. But I couldn't leave my little girl. Daniela! Daniela, what's that? I waited and prayed. I prayed someone would come. And no one came. No one came. Yasna. Yasna. I called out for hours as I stayed there. Breathing for her, doing CPR. I finally had to stop from exhaustion. I lost them all. You couldn't sacrifice the one to save the other. Even if you had, you'd still blame yourself. <laughs> These things can't be explained. Why it happens. The providence of God and the mysteries of life and death. 
the very fiber of our faith. They were gifts of love and life. You are a gift of love and life. Don't turn your back on them. God, Father of all mercies, through the death and resurrection of your only begotten Son, has reconciled himself to the world and sent the Holy Spirit among us for the forgiveness of sins. Through the ministry of Holy Church, may God give you pardon and peace. And I absolve you of all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Who wants to go first on that one? So there's a lot there. <laughs> now, is this the last time we get, like, is this the last time the Lucas backstory is messed with, or is that still uh, messed with later on? I think the large, the in large strokes, I think we're we're they're fairly locked in at this point. Like, okay. there may be one or two details that they futz with later on, and I'm sure you know gen t will probably consult the bible and you know let me know but like i'm <laughs> some somebody's gonna let me know that i'm horrendously wrong and that there's uh, but i think for the most part i think that the backstory is more or less locked in with one or two you know quibbles yeah because that was in case the explosions weren't any indication that was a very very involved shooting scene and unlike anything they've ever really done on this show before yeah and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I really like the narrative dis- or the, the, I don't know if narrative is the right choice, but I, I really like the decision. Uh, I really like the choice that was made. The very obviously, I think deliberate choice to not use subtitles during that scene. Like yeah. you don't need to know what's you, you can, you can get all the information that you need to get from the words that you can understand. Like you don't have to speak the language to be able to get what's happening in that scene and to be able to understand the emotions involved. And like, it's, I I feel like the subtitles would have taken away from that. And so I think it was the absolute a hundred percent right choice to leave it untouched and leave it as is and just let, let him have this memory and let him have this moment that we're not really like part of as the audience. Like this is about his journey and about his like trauma and it's not really about us and our understanding at this point. It's him coming to terms with all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And just, ugh. yeah, I fucking love James Cromwell so goddamn much. Yeah, he's really fucking good. And I think so. I, again, I, like I said earlier in the episode, I'm I'm trying to like make this episode better and and make it work in my mind. Uh, and I think one of the other changes I would make is I think I would have had I would have had Luca go to the go to the scene you know at the beginning. You know, like I said, in this alternate timeline, Lizzie's little slip and fall thing happens on like the helipad or like somewhere in the hospital on the way out. And like she just doesn't she never makes it to the thing. And it's just Carter and Luca. Mm -hmm. And I would have had Luca freeze up like I I would have had Luca get into the car and like start working on all these people and start doing all these things. And and, like when the, the thing happens with the little boy, he just like fucking just 
goes catatonic, like just cannot handle it. Like just immediately is back in Croatia and is, is all this shit comes flooding back to him. And he Maybe just have like a fuel tank, expl- a little bit of a fuel tank explosion or something, something or... like just, just like dude just cannot process what is happening in front of him and just loses it. And is like, basically just tells Carter like, Hey man, you're on your own. I got to take this kid back to the hospital. Like he's got a, you know, brain thing, whatever. Like, and, and he goes on the chopper back with, the the kid back mm-hmm. to the hospital leaving carter basically alone to manage this entire scene because let's be honest like in these types of episodes that's where the good shit is like carter mm-hmm. carter in over his head and having to work his way through it that's a formula that works we've seen it work in the past it'll work in the future i don't see any reason why we can't go to the well again and so like you know, have Carter, you could still have that excellent moment with him and Benton where Benton's walking him through the, the amputation. Like you still get all that great stuff out of it. I think there's an opportunity there to really, um, work in more of the interpersonal drama between Jeffrey Dean Morgan's character, who's criminally under, underutilized and Carter, like there could have been like a, a nice, a nice mesh there. And then have Luca when he gets back to the ER, he passes off, you know, the kid with the brain injury, he passes him off onto Benton and the rest. And then is just like, I got to go talk to the Bishop and then spends 30 minutes of the episode. Maybe let's say 25, 30 minutes Mm -hmm. of the episode talking this shit out as the Bishop slowly dies. Give me that episode. Like give me that, like as, as currently constructed, I think the episode is in the 8.5 range. I think if you make some of those small little tweaks and small little changes, get rid of the Mark stuff entirely, like do a little bit more with Carrie and the the woman who caused the accident, do some of those things and like change things up a little bit. I think there's a 10 out of 10, like no notes episode in here. And I think it could have been like, it's still one of the, the all time great episodes, but I feel like there was a lot of meat left on the bone in this one. And I just would have liked to have seen just a little bit more, but I mean, throughout the episode, you've basically took, taken all the words out of my mouth. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, my general feelings <laughs> but how do, but what happens oh, what happens yes uh, so of course out? uh this is of course the end of bishop stewart as he does does pass Aww. away we fade to a shot of lucas sitting by the bishop's deceased body and turning off the monitors and removing the uh the oxygen and yeah we fade to black and that's the end of the episode and like i said it's as currently constructed an eight and a half or a nine nothing you know perfectly fine you could leave it alone not touch it and you still have an all-time great episode but the perfectionist in me just wants to tinker and just wants to go. We could wring just a little bit more juice out of this and get something even greater. And yeah, we wouldn't we wouldn't have STT without that perfectionist streak, Daniel. Yeah, it's solid nine for me. Like as mass casualties goes, there's worse, there's better. Yeah. But like it's still. But you love you a mass casualty. But I just love me a mass casualty. Am I? Am, especially am I forgetting with a recognizable guest? Am star. I forgetting any mass casualties up to this point beyond mm-hmm. Blizzard, Exodus, and this one? Is there a is there a fourth one in there that I'm forgetting somewhere? Um, I. There's still been a couple like small, smaller ones. Yeah, yeah, smaller. There's been ones. like half casualties, right. like Mark going to do the overturned school bus, or, or whatever, all the or... all the. Uh, undocumented people from the right. sweatshop fire. But there hasn't been one where it's like, this is the entire episode, the episode on the scene, in the in the shit, in the trenches. Like, it's really the, only- the big three in the first seven seasons. You're talking Blizzard, 
Exodus and this one. And for my money, I think Exodus is the clear front runner there. Mm-hmm. I think Blizzard comes in a tight two. And for me, this one is, is good, but I think it is clearly in third place. The only reason I would maybe count the one with uh, Mark and the school bus is because that's the entire, you know, second half of Doug's departure. Sure is cleaning up that yeah the mess. storm part two is definitely you could you could Thank make you. the argument that that one is is a mass casualty episode it just gets kind of overshadowed by yeah. doug's exit but yeah yeah which if you, if you want to give that one an honorable mention i think that's fair but for my money like i said in in the pantheon yeah. of mass casualty episodes from the first seven seasons this one is is unquestionably in the conversation but i think it is clearly in third place behind exodus and blizzard now i yeah. want to go watch blizzard Blizzard is it's now it I, is insane. <laughs> it's insane to me that Blizzard so good. Blizzard is the tenth episode of the entire show, and, and we're at we're at one hundred and fifty now. Right, and they managed to nail the fucking formula that well in just the first ten episodes. Can you guys also believe we haven't missed a week? And, and don't don't don't, don't no, jinx you know us. No, I don't <laughs> yeah. care. 150 for how we thought this was going to go, that's a damn it fine is, achievement. It is. I'm, I'm very I'm proud of us. I'm going to take a minute to pat us for on the back. Behind the, behind the sausage, for how much I kind of personally just wanted to bow out. and In seasons three and four? Yeah, in seasons two and three and Oops, yeah. that area. Just with everything. I mean, where you I was know, mentally yeah. and where... Things and, going on in people's personal lives and, like, the pan, fucking the pandemic, like and right after we started yeah we started we started recording episodes of course we're we're all reliving this now because like you know our facebook memories and stuff are telling us like we recorded the first episode uh three yeah three years ago as of a week or so ago when we're recording this so like it's you know thinking about what our lives were like in september of 2019 and how much different things would be just four or five months later and none of us knew it and how like this has been the one constant thing that has endured from the before the pandemic to now and I, it is sort of weird to I think had, about i had the podcast almost as long as my job that i just left yeah yeah job change yeah. we've we've I, had job changes like we've had major life we've had deaths we've had births we've had like stuff come and go like it's really crazy to think about just in 3 years time you know, this is, I think, I think actually right around the time this episode comes out will be our mm-hmm. three year anniversary. Yep. And Jake, Jake gets honorable mention of finishing law school and passing the bar. Right. Yeah, yeah. Jake's a whole ass lawyer. You know, he was just <laughs> becoming a high powered attorney on the East coast. He was, you know, he was broke ass law student, you know, scraping by trying to study for the bar, you know, when I don't even think he had graduated from law school yet, much less tried to start no. studying for nope. the bar. He so like yeah, we had, we had a whole ass YouTube surge. And- yeah, I mean we we had to like you know scratch and claw and like patchwork our way mentally and emotionally through that whole time as everybody did. But like like Lauren said, this it is an accomplishment to think that like we're 150 episodes deep and have yet to miss a single Thursday. And sorry, I backlogs, baby. Yeah, no, hey, I mean I I what? think it, I, it no, it's you're absolutely right, Lauren, and we should take a, a moment to like pat ourselves in the back and not not even just pat ourselves in the back but just like acknowledge it like that that yeah. it's this is a it's a milestone for the show er and it's a milestone for our show too that that like we've been able to keep up the momentum for this long and we've stuck with it and 
with no end in sight. Like we're not really like, this is not us going like, oh, we've made it this far. Now we're going to fuck it all up from here. But like, we're just, no. we still have, have 181. Right. We're not even, we're not at the halfway mark. Right. This is not the halfway mark. It might seem like it should be, but it, it's not, uh, you know, so like we have, what's, what's the quote? Like many more miles to go before I sleep. Like we, we have a long yeah. way to go. And, uh, but it is just like, it is worth mentioning that like, it is a big achievement and it is a big moment for us. And I'm just, I'm proud of all three of us and I'm proud of, I'm internally grateful for anybody who has bothered to listen even once. Like I got people, uh, reaching out to me about re-listens and stuff that I've said They're like, Oh, Hey, have yeah. you gotten around to this rewatch yet? And I'm like, Nope. Yeah. Still haven't watched the that's, rock. That's, from the that's sun wild yet. to me as somebody who, you know, we, we've talked about this before, but like as somebody who like uses other podcasts that they're a fan of as like background noise or something mm-hmm. to go to sleep by to hear that, like we're that we've reached that status with, for somebody else is like incredibly mm-hmm. rewarding and like incredibly gratifying and you oh. know the fact that the fact that we're worth re-listening to much let forget about you know we're listening to in the first place but f- that somebody's been like re-listen. i want to re-listen i want to like go back and re-think about these things that we're anybody's comfort audio is great but so one more thing and then i will get on to listener responses i promise because i can see lizzie's soul leaving her body no it's fine I'm, okay I'm i good. i do have to ask daniel especially because i know you and i are are well, no, Lizzie, you, you do listen to some podcasts, but yeah, I know podcasts. Daniel and I tend to listen to much more avidly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, true. Do you notice yourself, Daniel, inadvertently picking up small things from your favorite podcasts that have slipped into how you do this? Oh, yeah. Because I have, I have two examples specifically that I can think of off the top of my head. Both the same creators, um, the guys who do Bonfireside Chat and... Um, Duck Feed TV. They're great. Video game stuff. Go listen to them. They have the one thing that I always do in my brain, which is segue, segue, segue when we need to quick pivot. <laughs> That's just what my brain does. Yeah. And also um, the way they do listener responses. I've, I've inadvertently taken some of my cadence from the two of them. Mm-hmm. So I just like, I notice it and I'm like, I'm, I'm forget the NPR mom voice. I'm over here just pulling a... <laughs> uh, um, oh my god, I, I suddenly can't think of the gentleman's name. But yeah, so like, I just, I catch that and I'm like, am I a fraud? Does Daniel do this too? Like- no, yeah, I mean, I can't think of any, like, <laughs> I can't think of any specific examples of things that I've, like, cribbed from somebody else. But, mm-hmm. like, I definitely feel like listening to Chris for six mm-hmm. years, you know, five, six years. Yeah. I've sort of just picked up hit some of his, like, cadences and, like, the yeah. way the rhythms and like the way he goes through things yeah. like I wouldn't say like specific bits or like specific catchphrases or anything like that but just like certain the his way of telling a story or his way of making a point yeah. is something that I've like kind of latched on to just by virtue of the fact that like his voice has been in my ears like a couple of hours a week for the better part of you know six years like dudes yeah. just like constantly in my ear holes and so I can't not like pick up on some of those things and see the two the the two primary ones that I listen to each week, uh, Digital Foundry Direct. It's a general tech and video game podcast, and Magic Mics, um, which is a Magic the Gathering podcast. And is that M I C S? Yeah. Okay. Not so um, not male strippers. Yeah. Yeah, I was I wasn't sure if it was like mics, like they were like I, microphones. I, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, go on. Sorry. Not not large attractive gentlemen. Um, <laughs> what? 
<laughs> just go on. No, I was going to say, neither of them have, like, that thing they do yeah. or, like, the specific, like, they're just talking. Yeah. They're just shooting the shit with friends, with friends about stuff that they care about, like we are. Right. Which is what I've always felt like it should be. Like it, it should always yeah. like the the more performative you are, the less authentic it is, and the less interesting, well, the less enjoyable it is to listen to. I think we definitely are anything but performative. I still love the thing we saw online where it was like, you know, I hate when when hosts chit chat before they get to it into a topic. And I was like, that's like half our show. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's all we do is chit chat with a little bit of ER in there because we're contractually obligated at this point. Um, should I go on to listener responses? Sure. Should we get this what do the listeners have to say about it, Lauren? Uh, Heather R says one of my favorite episodes of this season, because who doesn't love a good disaster outside of the ER and along with a the disaster, there's certainly a lot going on. One scene that we could have done without was Mark's competency test. We already knew he was there, and it was just in the way. Case in point, one of the deleted scenes was Mark and his testing and then rushing out when he got the page about Elizabeth. Watching in hindsight, I think about the pregnancy scares on the show. Carol got dizzy while standing up at the desk, and she's immediately monitored and ushered to a bed. Lizzie falls, but because she's for some reason out in a disaster field being a surgeon, her welfare is overlooked because there are more seriously hurt people to help. Similarly, we see this in a few seasons with Abby. Because she fell, but she wasn't bleeding out from a gunshot Hold on, let me try that again. We see that... Similarly, we see this in a few seasons with Abby. Because she fell, but... but she wasn't bleeding out for a GSW. Anyway, with Lizzie here, I love how Abby and Chen take care of her and urge her to calm down. Lizzie's emotions when Mark arrives were also so sweet. Oh, and is it just me, or did they really gloss over the gal who created the whole mess by parking her car on the train tracks? I would have liked to have seen more from her. Okay, this is the best username I've it's ever seen. a <laughs> virtual guarantee. I want to talk to this person directly. Write the most offensive thing you can because I guarantee you I will put it in the listener responses just because I like your username so much. Like, it's my favorite thing and I get so excited when I see that you've responded to something. Uh, ready? Uh, here we go. At the bitchiest of lasagnas. Oh yeah, I remember how in that episode they put a heavily pregnant woman in a lot of danger because Benton wanted to babysit a high schooler he randomly decided to make into a doctor. <laughs> I need the shittiest take that you have. No, that's too shitty. <laughs> the bitchiest of lasagna. I need the bitchiest lasagna you have. No, that's too bitchy. That is not a shitty take, by the way. I'm just Lizzie. Were you saying that was a shitty take? I think that's a really. I I I kind of agree with it, but anyway. Um, I mean, it is sort of we'll it is another... sort of silly. Like it is sort of it, it, on like it's one of those things where like if you think about it for more, break it down to a re- yeah. If you think layer. about it for more than a half a second you would go like oh yeah why couldn't benton have just put off his thing with this kid for another day and been like hey lizzie very pregnant lizzie why don't you watch stuff here and i'll go do the train thing problem solved williams comes back tomorrow and does his thing like oh at fearless ashley 447 this episode is another one of my top faves i just all around love and enjoy it i remember watching it on a road trip off a recorded vhs tape oh wow (laughs) um The energy and intensity of this episode is so well done and wonderful. I can still feel it in the pit of my stomach every time I rewatch it. I love the layers of the story and how every character is experiencing that night in a different way. Luca with his trauma and PTSD, 
Carter having to be the adult in the room after the other two leave, Benton trying to be the adult in the room back at the hospital, and Elizabeth being so scared and vulnerable and everyone rallying around her. It's really great. At Grace B says, Obviously, this episode is phenomenal. I'm just going to talk about the scene where we finally meet Yasna, Marco, and Daniela, and we see exactly what happened to them. Because I think this is one of the most beautifully done sequences in the whole of ER. And I suspect... And I, my brain just stopped. And I specifically want to point out how rare it is that an American show intended for an American audience has a scene that runs minutes long and there is not a word of English spoken. And there are no subtitles because we don't need them. I so hope that someday y'all can have Jonathan Kaplan on. Oh my God, that would be the dream. I need to know how you pull off shooting a scene like that when presumably only your actors speak the language your scene is written in. What extra work is involved? Because the finished product is tremendous. I could go on and on about the performances each of the actors give, but really I've been dying to highlight the technical genius that must have gone into the set design, lighting, camera work, sound, casting, etc. just for this scene alone. It absolutely blows me away every time. And last but certainly not least, at the full-time dad says, Episode 150! Obviously, The Crossing is a special episode and does some heavy lifting in terms of giving us the definitive Luca backstory, finally, and beautifully concluding the Bishop storyline amid the chaos of a trademark mass casualty. Top three with Exodus and Blizzard? But the episode obviously holds a special place for me, seeing Benton really take a student not named Carter under his wing, and after fighting to give him an interview in episode 14, gives him a lifetime's worth of experience in one night. Yes, it also meant sending a very pregnant Elizabeth out to a mass casualty, but I will let my Lizzie stands tackle that. <sighs> I'm glad that after a season six where Peter was placed largely on the back burner, that we've gotten to see him figure out the other aspects of his life. Becoming a more socially aware character, understanding affirmative action can be a tool and not a crutch, valuing the woman in his life by becoming less narcissistic, true story though, and truly understanding his value as a teacher have all been a huge part in his arc in season seven, and one of the reasons I've always felt his growth arc is among the best the show has ever produced. Oh my god, Aaron, thank you for helping me appreciate Benton's arc this season more. I appreciate you. He, he and I have been sort of going back and forth on Instagram uh, in the last 24 hours, sort of me just being like him making a very impassioned argument like he just laid out here, and me just sort of going like, eh, like... Eh, okay yeah i guess like i guess you're right but i also just like eh, i still am on like team uneven with with benton's storytelling this season i can see his point but this this made me appreciate it at least a little bit more i know we've all been a little divisive on how benton's been this season but that at least helps me see kind of some of the highlights sure. in a way that i hadn't before yeah. All right, well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash Podcast. For only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each week, and for only $5 a month, you can get an assortment of stickers, including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry. Two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews, and over 55 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a free-form monthly bonus show called The Lounge, movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, and who's fixed of those? We're Lauren Reeses of ER Fan Fiction. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Set the Tone ER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast, And we are at Podcast on Instagram. 
Also, be sure to check out the official San Antonio community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel. Where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And besides Glued to the Kitten Academy YouTube feed, Lauren, where can folks find you? Uh, they can find me on my personal Twitter at lowbob92345, uh, retweeting gifts from the Kitten Academy YouTube feed. This, a new mom gave birth a couple days ago. So they'll be like two weeks old by the time you all hear this. Everybody go look on Kitten Academy. But they're absolutely too stinking They're cute. all great tuxie nuggets. And we won't be able to tell them apart until they can have collars. Anyway, you can also find me on Twitter. I'm at randomgamer. That's J-M-3-R. But thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time. Have a great week.